0: Welcome to Powerband Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast, made by Kiwi riders for Kiwi riders, and welcome to our 50th show! Not only is it our 50th show, it is our anniversary. We started this podcast exactly one year ago today, so uh, happy birthday. Of course, my name's Ray
1: here, and joining me for this episode, it is the one, the only, Matthew day Gillett. Hey man, I think I need to message the wife that and just say, hey, it uh, might take a bit longer this time, it's our uh, one year anniversary episode. It's our one year anniversary, what did you get me, something sparkly? Are you taking me out for dinner? What are we doing? I don't know, you're the one that actually has a real job between the two of us, mate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, re- yeah, re-
0: I have the real job, which is keeping me grounded, but you get to do the trips like, uh, t- where, where'd you go? Thailand for the V85TT, uh, America for the Livewire, and now you're off to Australia for the Tenere 700, which I'm quite salty about.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, there is, yeah, I've been invited, I've RSVP'd, um... I still can't believe I've been invited because um, there was a part in the email that said uh, novice off-road riders are not recommended, and I'm sort of thinking, I'm not much better than a novice, so let's see how this goes.
0: Oh, I definitely think it'd be too dangerous, I think you should send me instead. (laughs) But 50 shows, Matt, 50 shows, we've done uh, 50 shows, which means we've done at least 40 hours of talking about motorcycles. Yeah,
1: and then that's uh, not including all of the technical glitches we've had that we've had to re-record a whole Lot of stuff as well, um, probably far in excess of that, <laughs>
0: and probably a squillion ums from each of us. I think, I think if you're talking vocal crutches, yours is um and mine's uh uh. Uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) right well let's uh, let's carry on with the show people don't come to hear us talking about ourselves Uh, we're all about motorcycles Uh, 50 shows though Uh, I'm quite proud of that and if anyone wants to sponsor us we're still doing this for the love of it Uh, hit us up powerbandpodcast at gmail.com joking kind of semi not really it's time to do some news
1: And in the news today, leading the news, we've got a brand new MT-03. Yeah, coming out uh, next year, Yamaha New Zealand says it should be uh, arriving here sometime early next year. They don't actually have um, fixed dates or pricing available, but I think it's quite a neat looking little bike. Uh, What about you? Have you had a look at the uh, photos and that I've got on onthrottle.co.nz?
0: I have looked at onthrottle.co.nz and to be honest, I can't tell an awful lot of difference between that and the old one. I didn't spend a lot of time looking at the old one. It was never high on my priority list because it was uh, a smaller engine. What is it, 300cc, 290, something around there?
1: Uh, 321cc. Uh,
0: It looks like it's taking inspiration on those those twin angled, kind of angry, in the dark, kind of headlights. uh, Taking inspiration from the R1, maybe?
1: Uh, MT09. Yes, uh, I can see that. The whole MT family thing. Yeah, they call them uh, dual slant eye position lights. Um, So, basically, head along to on thrall.co.nz or our Facebook page we'll pop a photo of the new MT-03 up there on uh, just as this goes live um, but basically you've got three lights at the front of the new MT-03 and it kind of looks a wee bit alien front on um, so you've got these two slanted eye um, and they do look like slanted eyes. They're kind of, I want to say ovular just to annoy the wife because she hates it when I use that word. Ovular? Yeah, they're kind of oval, oval shapes, slanted eyes, looks. Um, and in between them where a nose would be is the actual headlight, which is a smaller LED. Oh,
0: okay. So the uh, the twin headlight things are more
1: running lights, daylights. Yeah. Um, and it's they've done quite actually quite a few changes to this bike. So it's got all new suspension. Um, it's now got 37 mil, I believe upside-down forks, 37 mil. Let's take a quick gander at what I actually wrote earlier today, because it's been a long day. Um, Yeah, 37 USD forks um, for enhanced handling performance during braking, acceleration, and cornering. Basically, they're getting rid of, um, I think it had conventional forks previously, and to be honest, it was one of the most fun little bikes. I've got a really great memory from the MT10 launch, actually, just to go on a little tangent, and so we'd been riding these MT10s all day around uh, the Sunshine Coast of Aussie and the Kiwi contingent, so there were one, two, four of us plus our um, media handler, um, so five of us. Four of us were on MT03s. one was on an mt 9 and um, man, we had to blast back to the hotel to make our flight. Um, and we'd kind of been mucking about a bit um, doing photos and giving the Aussies shit as you do when you're at a bike launch. And uh, we were running late, and that is probably some of the most fun riding I've had on a bike launch because we were riding balls to the wall on these little MTO3s. Um, and they handled really well back then so I'll be really interested to see how this new suspension setup's going to go and improve the new bike Yeah
0: man, those little bikes, uh, it's that whole uh, GXA 150 thing, you, you don't have to be on the cutting edge to feel like you're on
1: the cutting edge right? Yeah and you're not really doing stupid speeds either so you can really focus on uh, your technique more than holding on for dear life like some of those more powerful bikes Like I really rate the small capacity stuff um, but yeah like Yamaha have done quite a few cool things with this bike like they've redone the ergos a bit because They've got a new, slightly wider tank, um, so they've sort of rejigged the ergonomics, so you've got a nice low seat with higher handlebars, uh, nice thin uh, centre section to the bike, so you can easily get your foot down, which means it's going to be open to a lot of riders. Um, interestingly, you've got the, all these LED lights, but um, I haven't been able to tell officially yet, but it looks like they've um, done what Honda did with my bike, and they've kept a bulb um, tail light going for some reason. Um because yeah, don't know, don't know why they've mentioned LED lighting everywhere except in the rear light.
0: That's yeah, interesting because the MTO7s had uh, LEDs in the rear light for for donkeys, but it's the only only fit, like in my mto 7 that's the only place it had
1: LEDs. Yes, yeah, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but no, it's a really cool looking little bike, and um, like they've obviously they're keeping um, this sort of price-conscious nature of the bike, um, is still a thing. Um, So it hasn't got a TFT screen like, um, what is it, the KTM 390 Duke, um, which is one of its competitors. That's got a TFT screen. Uh, This doesn't, it's got a nice new, rather good-looking actual um, LCD um, dash um, that looks kind of like a MotoGP bike used to. Um, So it's still got quite a lot of stuff going for it. And, but yeah, it's it's going to be a cool little bike when it arrives early next year. I hope I get a chance to ride it before uh, baby number two arrives. Mm.
0: Speaking of cool little bikes, uh, this one's kind of flown under the radar for me. And, and it's uh, I don't know what to say about it. I saw a photo of it today, and I think it looks absolutely outstanding. It's a 125cc four-stroke. It's got ABS. It's a four-speed manual. It is the Honda Monkey. Is <laughs> that only a four-speed? Have you seen one of these Honda Monkeys before,
1: it's kind of like the cafe racer version of a Grom. It pretty much is. Um, they sort of, there's, there's a lot of history with those Honda monkey bikes, and like I think it goes all the way back to the 60s and like the Beatles. Well, there was like in, um, I don't know about the lineage of the
0: Honda Monkey, but Honda are known for doing tiny little bikes, like the Honda City that came with an optional extra of the Moto Compo in the back. That thing's outstanding. I mean, this isn't that small, but I saw a photo of it, bright yellow. There's a few different colours you can get it in, but
1: bright yellow, tiny, and and I think I want one. It's kind of cute. <laughs> I know a guy uh, that we know personally through Club Sub that's been at me for months because he's really keen on one for uh, putting around uh, Christchurch on and last I heard um, officially from Honda was they were, uh, weren't were sure that they are going to bring it in and then next thing we know oh look, the Honda Monkey's here.
0: (laughs) So the first delivery of the 2019 Honda Monkey sold out and the second delivery is arriving in the country soon. Yeah,
1: that doesn't really surprise me to be honest. Um, Like it's, I don't know, it's it's a cult bike in the making.
0: Coming in nebula red, banana yellow, pearl glittering black, the 125cc 2019 Honda Monkey is a bundle of
1: practical urban transport fun. You know what else is cool in 125cc's and Honda? A concept they brought out. Um, Do you remember the old CT 110 posty bikes? Sure do. Yeah, it looks like Honda's really keen to bring uh, back the the CT, um, except it's going to be a 125 like the Monkey and the Grom. Um, I saw a photo of that the other day too. I was sort of looking at it going, wow, that looks a heck of a lot better than the old uh, CT 110 in my dad's garage. So if if you haven't seen one before, definitely Google a picture of the 2019
0: Honda Monkey and check that out. Look forward to seeing a few of them on the road. They are awesome looking bikes. And that pretty much rounds off the news... So coming to us live from I believe Melbourne Airport potentially. It is the one, the only Sloane Frost. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, what a what a track record you've got behind you, Sloane. Uh, competitive in dirt biking, especially in juniors. Uh, what was it? 2016 uh, NZSBK champ. 2018 NZSBK champ. And you didn't miss out by much uh, this this uh, 2019 round either. And now in Australia uh, competing as well. And you came eighth in the latest round. I here? It
2: was actually, it was 10th uh, uh, overall, so um, it's one of my best results in Australia. Um, I don't, couldn't say my riding was that good, but um, you know, we, we still got there in the end with 10th
0: place. Well done. 10th place. I mean, to go all the way to Australia and have that kind of uh, so far from home, you know, you don't you don't have that hometown advantage. Uh, and to still pull out 10th, I'm impressed. Well done to you. Yeah,
2: cheers mate. yeah. Australia is tough, you know. Everybody over here is pretty fast, and like you say, um, just being away from home and not having that ability to just uh, get all your bikes and that ready as you would back home. It um, takes its toll, and you always end up, um, you know, on, on the back foot. Um, trying to get all your bikes and that ready, so you you know your practice time's limited, so um, you know it, it's, it's really tough over here. But a lot of the Kiwi guys are doing really well, and um, yeah, I just got to step up, I guess, and to, if I if I want to get to better place
1: So, what's the competition like in general over there? Sort of, um, would you say the Aussie riders are better than most Kiwis? I wouldn't say that better. I mean, there's certainly some better riders,
2: and uh, you know, they've got really good backing from um, some of the factory teams and that and there's a there's a lot of factory riders, professional riders in there, little class riders and guys that have been in MotoGP and you know, ex-world champions so um, you, know, it, it, you could definitely say that those guys are better riders but from, from mid-pack on we're all, we're all pretty much the same but it's just who's willing to really put it on the line and these are these Aussie guys just race for keeps you know and as you can see on the weekend I don't know how many of them crashed um, but you know they're just they're not giving an inch and they're not giving up a, a you know a tenth of a second they're just all pushing so hard and uh, it's, it's tough competitors the aggressive environment.
0: Jeez. So what is it that makes you so... Uh, so good I mean that's the question I want to know I mean there's people like yourself uh, Brad Groombridge who's just ridiculously talented and Av Biddle uh, just to name a few what is it is it is it the drive to win is it the competitive nature or are you just are you just talented when it comes to riding two wheels
2: I I might get a, yeah, a fair opinion if you talk to some of the competitors but all, <laughs> I think it all comes down to preparation you know like it, it, we're all we're all good riders in that, and um, and we all, we all have our time, um, but it all comes down to that preparation and you know a little bit of luck, but luck comes from through preparation as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I've been riding a long time though, so um, you can't you can't say that. Um, Experience doesn't count because I've been racing, or well, riding motorbikes since I was, you know, two, three years old, and racing motocross since I was eight years old. So, I've got a lot of experience behind me, and um, yeah, you know, I've got good consistency, and and I guess that's what comes with age. But um, with the support that I've had, and personal sponsors, and uh, Suzuki New Zealand behind me, you know, it's 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 hard not to do well with that sort of support and preparation
0: now this is a question that Matt and I have asked a, a lot of our, our guests because I mean Matt and I both have uh, young fellas What's, how old's yours Matt just over one and mine's almost one how, how young do we need to get them out on two wheels when's, when's the optimal time to, to breed the next lone Frost oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah
2: look you, you just you only got to go to, a, to your local motocross track to, to see the talent that's there and you know these four and five year old kids are just so fast man um, and, and, and the parents are putting everything into it their bikes and it's amazing what they're riding now compared to what we were riding back in the day but um, but you see especially for road biking you see some guys like uh, one of the Australian guys Mark he only started at it relatively late you know but
0: he's well all right, Sloan, One more question because we do need to let you get on the plane and get back to New Zealand. Um, we've got the Suzuki series coming up, which has been the dates have been announced. Uh, I assume you'll be riding as well. Uh, what are you riding, and what is coming up in the near future for yourself? Now
2: we've got we got heaps coming up. Um, so I've got Australian Superbike round to finish off. We've got uh, Taupo endurance race. We've got the Suzuki series. Um, the team's just getting bigger and bigger, and uh, we've got um, Richard Cooper, who's uh, a, a British Superbike stock champion, he's coming over to ride on a Suzuki through our team, we've got hopefully Brad Groomberg, if he can get everything back together, um, he's going to be on the team we've got a young Australian, Lachlan Ephus, who's um, got a lot of uh, world super sport experience Now he's coming over to ride a GSXR 1000, and uh, we've got my uh, apprentice that we've got at work who uh, had a big accident last year and just coming back and riding a Suzuki GSXR 600, and he's going to be in the 600 field, so now I'm going to have my hands full I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to put it all together but uh, that's a whole lot of Suzukis on the track, this Suzuki series, and then straight after
1: that, we're uh, right into the Nationals. So, um, man, no rest. Sounds like you're going to
0: need a lot of coffee, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Outstanding. Sloan Frost, uh, thank you very, very, very much for taking your time out of your busy day and uh, spending time at the airport for having yarn with us. We're going to have to catch up with you again uh, during and after the Suzuki series, but you uh, travel safe and we'll catch up when you're back in the country.
2: Yeah, sorry I didn't have more time, guys, and uh, thanks for the call anyway. Cheers.
0: And as far as other topics go this week, uh, I saw on the ride forever, we rideforever.co.nz in the news and reviews section uh, a story reminding us that helmets don't last forever. Uh, the story goes that uh, the writer was at their local Triumph dealer and a husband and wife came in. Husband was trading in his old Honda on a Triumph Bobber. Uh, the salesperson wouldn't sell the bike to the per- the husband, unless he bought a new helmet. Uh, because he was holding an open face, beat up twenty-year-old oh, cringe Essentially a <laughs> hunk of crap, that was that had that had less protective ability than Hairnet. Uh, if you want to read the full story, well check it up on our Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash powerband podcast. But it got me thinking How long do helmets last? I've always been under the understanding that basically five years is how long a helmet lasts, unless it's had a decent knock or a crunch or a scrape, uh, and then, you know, every little knock will decrease the lifespan of that helmet. But in front of me, I've got my very, very first helmet, which would be at least 15 years old. It is a Blue FFM Tour Pro 2, which, Matt, back in the day when you and I were boy racers, I bought to, to go to a track day. Uh, do you think that would be any good to 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 ride with nowadays? Oh hell
1: no! <laughs> like,
0: I'd
1: use it. I'd use it for uh, dress ups with the little fella, maybe, but. um... If- even on riding a mountain bike I wouldn't use it. Um, I think my head's got bigger though because
0: this, I bought this as I said about 15 years ago, it's only an XL Uh, I'm at least a 2XL nowadays. Oh really? Jeez. In in the helmet department. Oh I wonder how your head's getting bigger,
1: that's a neat trick. So (laughs) what was your first helmet Matt? My first helmet was a cheap um, I think it was a $100 helmet, I can't believe I spent so little on a helmet, I don't think I've got a $100 head. Um, It was a blue box brand helmet that I bought it at Cycle Treads in Auckland, Um, and it went with my uh, nice budget Exxon um, jacket, which didn't have a liner. And um, conversely, uh, whenever it rained, I got very wet. Um, And some cheap pants, and cheap boots, and cheap gloves. Um, My first, I went all out, but I basically, I was scraping the bottle of the barrel in terms of quality.
0: That's the thing, hey, it's, it, when it comes to protective gear, it's it's riding that line between the best you can get that's going to save your, your skin in a crash and
1: budget, right? Yeah, and so you and I have been quite lucky. We both um, found ourselves with um, new HJC i70s.
0: That's what I was going to say. HJC is a really good brand as far as helmets go. They're very middle of the road, you know. Uh, great, great, great features, but also very budget friendly.
1: Yeah, and you can get quite a like you can get some that are really, really fancy, like the Mark Marquis style ones. Um, but yeah, um, our ones are they're nice middle of the road helmets. They're affordable. They got lots of features. So they got the drop down sun visor. We can get tinted visors for them. They got decent ventilation. They're comfy. Um, but. Um, so when you brought this up before we started recording I sort of grabbed um, the instruction manual the uh, owner's manual that came with my i70 and I found this paragraph even if your helmet has not been damaged it needs to be replaced every three to five years depending on how much you use it over time UV rays and adhesive and component aging will damage your helmet wearing a damaged helmet may increase your risk of serious injury or death in an accident if you're unsure you need to replace your helmet contact HJC Europe before using your helmet again um, and that's for our uh, i70s for my nice scorpion exo adventure helmet with the uh, flippy front um, that has a five-year warranty uh, so they so that'll last five years and then you need to get, look at another helmet um, but the whole thing with the in the hjc there about that really surprised me was depending on how much you use it um that kind of had me thinking like oh so if I'm commuting every day, I can probably expect three years at the most. Um, and But if you're doing the occasional Sunday ride, it might last out to five years. Yeah, and even then, like I've got, um, so I don't have as many helmets in my collection as you. I tend to throw out the bung ones, but I've got a showy GT Air that I bought in 2016, and I haven't really used it all that much um, over the last couple of years. So I can possibly expect that to be 2021 before that's toast. Um, Then I've got the i70 and the uh, uh, 80X1 Scorpion, and they're not getting used a heap as well. But even then, I got both those helmets this year. So what, that's 2024? Um, So it doesn't seem that far away. To be honest,
0: that, that kind of uh, is it's it's quite interesting because I always had the five year mark in my head as a good time to replace your helmet, no longer than five years. Um, but that is it. It stands to reason that you do need to consult your uh, your, your documentation that came with the helmet uh, because even. The same manufacturer, different helmets can have different lifespans. And uh, going on that, I probably, the predecessor to the i70, you and I both had the HJC i17, uh, I probably should have replaced that uh, quicker than five years as well, considering I did
1: essentially five years of commuting in that helmet. Yeah, well, I had two of those helmets and I um, had to replace one because I had a crash on the Auckland motorway and um, it got all. It did its job. And I was like, cool, I'll get another one of those. And then one day um, I was getting ready. I had my helmet sitting on my seat and I was about to leave the office. Um, I was working in central Auckland. I was about to jump on the bike to head home to Papakura, get ready for a ride I was doing with Harley the following day. And helmet fell onto the concrete floor and put a nice big chip slash crack into the uh, shell. And that was the end of my second (laughs) IS-17. And that's when I got the show actually. Um, because I had to go out and buy a sh- helmet that day. Which is a good a good uh, point to
0: raise there as well. You're sure, your helmet may last five years, but in the case of the FFM that I mentioned earlier, my very first helmet, uh, there's quite a few dints, scrapes and dings because this helmet got uh, put in the boot of the car. It was a track day helmet and uh, we drove. I drove the length of the country with that thing in the back of the car. It's had quite a bit of abuse. Uh, so if you have... Got a helmet that's had a bit of abuse or a drop or a smash or a ding, uh, at bare minimum, contact the manufacturer and get it checked out before you wear it again because, uh, you know, each little ding and and scrape and nick is going to weaken the uh, structural integrity of that helmet. And then that compression foam on the inside, if that gets damaged, then you may as well just be wearing a baseball cap, right? Pretty much, yeah. It's
1: not so much. All the like the the outer shell is a good indication for the, the helmet's condition, but unless you pull all the lining out and everything, you're never really going to know about how that internal structure is. Um, and I have pulled out my um sort of my liners every now and then, like to wash them or whatnot, and you actually you really do notice that polystyrene type um in a protective bit. Um, it does take a few nicks. That's why you shouldn't put your helmet on um, on your wing mirror. Not your wing mirror, your, your mirrors. Um, when you're stopping at like a petrol station or whatever because the mirror itself can put too much pressure on a certain point of that inner structure and it can actually damage it and ding it, um, which is something I didn't really know until quite recently. So I never put my helmet on the mirror I always clip it to the handlebar because having barbusters, busters I've got something to actually clip it to
0: you, you say that and I'm looking at my bike and my uh, my i70 is sitting on the on the wing mirror of the bike <laughs> yeah
1: it's, it's just little things like that and sort of it'll help in theory make it last a little bit longer so if you want to
0: read more about uh, helmet care uh, and, and, and when to replace it and all that kind of jazz do check out uh, the story we'll chuck it up on our facebook page facebook.com forward slash PowerBand podcast um, just, just incidentally Matt Matt, you, you quite do you have any rules personally when it comes to colors of helmets um, I I wanted to get the uh, the i-70 that I think it was Elam it came and it, it had bright colored streaks like highlighter streaks through it. Um, do you try and get like a, a more
1: visible helmet over blacks and grays or do you just go for the looks? Um, I basically my general rule of thumb is avoid black at all, all costs um, because it's it's not visible. Um, if you've got like, some colour to it, it just adds that little bit of uh, extra chance that you might get seen by a car. Um, so I didn't get to choose the colour of my um, Scorpion. So it's a silvery black, which is it's better than just straight black. Uh, my i70 is uh, white, red and black. And my showy is black with fluoro-yellow racing stripes. Um, which is very eye catching. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately,
0: my uh, my i seventy the one what as I said the one I wanted the Elon one had um highlighted yellow or green streaks through it. I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, as far as my sizing went, which is the uh, the downside, the mean the uh, importer only imports my size in, in restricted colours, and so I'm restricted to gunmetal grey, grey and black. However, if you are looking for, and this is not a paid endorsement, but if you are looking for a really good budget friendly helmet. I can highly recommend, and it is probably one of the most comfortable helmets I've ever worn, the HJC i70. If it's almost there for comfort, but it's not quite, it's maybe it's just a fraction tight, uh, go for it anyway, because to be honest, uh, they the, the the pads and the foam in them, it, it wears and it breaks in quite a bit. Uh, I think it was about a week before my
1: helmet kind of loosened up on my head. Mm, definitely, and like, I'll back you up on that. Like I wear glasses when I ride. Um, the bane of my life of riding these days um, and when it comes to like touring riding so if I had to ride down to you and Wellington I wouldn't wear my Scorpion helmet even if I was doing an adventure ride um, I'd wear the HJC because it's just so much more comfortable because it's got those little uh, cutouts for the arms of my glasses. Um, plus, you've got the drop-down shades. Uh, comes with a pin lock visor. Like they're they're a really decent bit of kit for the money. Yeah,
0: I got to you got to say uh, the glasses they do they they fit really really well with that helmet. Uh, drop-down shades. Um, and and I don't know. I, it was mentioned when I did my um, my my video for Kiwi Rider uh, when I got my I seventy um, fogging issues with that helmet. To be honest, I don't have issues with the fog in the helmet at all because of the pin lock. But I do sometimes get a bit of fogging issues with my glasses whether it be sunglasses or normal glasses inside that helmet uh matt you may have a wee trick when it comes to fogging up your glasses or not fogging up your glasses yes yeah, so i
1: was talking to um the publisher of key rider today um because i've sort of been talking about maybe getting a gear bag or something else um for this tenere launch and they're able to help us get some stuff and we can review it in the process. And um, he suggested that instead of going for a whole set of goggles, which I'm going to have to try and make work with my um, helmet with its visor and everything, um, he suggested this. So he... Did a whole lot of riding for many, many years and had to wear glasses for 16 years while riding and his, he says the best anti-fog stuff was hair shampoo. You just He'd put it on both sides of the lens, polish it off and he'd carry a small container with a soft rag in his bum bag and reapply when needed and it seemed to do the trick for him so I'm going to give that a go. I don't know when the next time I'm going to ride in the rain when I'm going to get foggy glasses is but... Um, Maybe you could give it a go and tell us how it works because you ride every day, Ray.
0: Yeah, I think I'll give it a crack because every morning, uh, whether it's be normal glasses or sunglasses, it's cold here at the moment. Uh, we're actually getting quite a few frosts now. So um, I'll, I'll give it a crack. And it's just the temperature to me. It's not necessarily the, the the moistness, humidity. It's the temperature. If it's if it's cold outside and you've got warm breath inside your helmet, it fogs up a lot. But that i70, that's one more thing I was going to say to it. It's got a really good chin curtain. Um, so the IS17 that I used to have, the predecessor to the i70. I used to get quite a few problems with wind going up under my chin and then past my face and it made my eyes water where the i70's got a big chin curtain so you don't get nearly as much wind up your face
1: but of course that means that your breath fogs your glasses up a lot more. Yeah, it's always a balancing act and you can take that curtain out if you want but um, then you're going to get like you said, a cold face. It's all trying to work out what is best for you. But yeah,
0: find a helmet that fits and get amongst it uh, and don't scrimp. Don't get the cheapest possible one, please. Um, and, and check out uh, facebook.com forward slash Podcast. Enough about helmets. There is an event coming up, Matt, that I wanted to have a quick yarn about uh, and it's happening at uh, possibly one of the best places uh, in Wairarapa, Mangatanoka. That is the Tui Brewery. Uh, what used to be the Tui Brewery? It's still called the Tui Brewery, but I hear they make craft beer there there now uh, and it is oh, really? I thought they made the big bottles there according to our mate Mike. Well they used to make the big bots there uh, but not anymore no it's been it's been outsourced uh, so the big bots are up, made up near you oh. um, and, and they, they make uh, craft beers in the Tui Brewery nowadays uh, but Magatanoka Motors two wheeled day is happening on October 27th I wanted to share that with you um, now Magatanoka Motors is basically the Tui Brewery uh, and they, they run all sorts of events they have the Japanese car day they have the American car day they have the classic car day and this is the first time they've had a two-wheeled day so you can sure go in your big american muscle car if you can get it up on two wheels but i think we're they're targeting motorcyclists oh yeah that'd be bloody cool um
1: I'd, i think it's a wee bit of a uh, stretch for me to get down there though you're such a pussy you cop out so easily. Come on, where's your commitment? Well, it's October 27th, and I've already got a few things on that weekend because it's the weekend of my wife's birthday. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. Wow, well, she'd love to get rid of you, wouldn't she? No, I think she'd probably like me to, to have me around. To be honest. Um. <laughs> all right, we'll let you we'll let you off on that one. But
0: um, if I get a chance, I'll head along to the Magna Motors Two Wheel Day myself, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up with all the peeps on site. Hey, um, I spent the weekend in the garage. Matt, you probably saw the photos on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash PowerBand Podcast. Thank you very much to Datto Racing Parts. I finally got the rest of the Melotti kit installed on the mto 7 So they sent us the tail tidy and the rear LED indicators. We got that up and we got the photos on uh, the Facebook page. They also sent two sets of, uh, what
1: are they, axle bobbins, did we decide they were called? Oh, jeez, I can't remember what we decided they were called. Um, axle sliders, I think we decided on. Sliders, bobbins,
0: those things anyway. And uh, a set of uh, LED indicators and a uh, brake master cylinder cover uh, for the front. It looks absolutely outstanding. Love it. Downside is, and this is a, the only downside to the kit, uh, is that it didn't come with an indicator relay replacement. So if you've ever had any... Um, you know when you get a, in your car, you, one of your indicators blows and the, the rest of them flash twice as fast? It's because of the less... Current draw on the circuit. Uh, and LEDs draw way less than incandescent bulbs or standard light bulbs. Uh, and so everything goes faster. So I put the rear indicators on and it flashed double speed. I put the fronts on as well and it's like a strobe light. It's da 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 so um, I can't actually ride the MT07 until that uh, that that indicator relay replacement arrives, uh, because I, I I essentially can't indicate.
1: Well, I suppose it's better than a hand signal. So, um, last time I was on a riding my bike, um, some old dude was riding driving some old ass car and he was using hand signals to go around roundabouts. Now that was confusing. At least. Flashing lights, even if it's strobing, is better than nothing.
0: Well, I don't want to be responsible for giving half of Wellington Wellington commuters uh, epileptic seizures. Uh, but do check out uh, com. They have a stack of parts for all sorts of bikes, and uh, I absolutely love the uh, the Melotti racing kit. I think it uh, looks fantastic. And uh, LEDs are a marked improvement over the factory incandescent bulbs, so uh, there's a win there as well. Um, and we'll post up on the Facebook page the video once everything is complete, as well as a link to that uh, that indicator relay where we bought that from, because um, that can be used on many, many bikes. Doesn't matter if you've got front or rear or both sets of LEDs, uh, all golden and good. DataRacingParts.com, that website once again. And that pretty much brings us to the end of our fiftieth episode, Matt. Got a few thank yous to say. Got to say massive thank you to you, Matt, for joining me for most of fifty episodes. Check out OnThrottle.co.nz. Yeah, there were a few I missed. Well, that's that's down to me as well. I mean, uh, getting amongst it and just just going for it. But um, uh, thank you very much to. Kiwi Rider for supporting us as well. We've got uh, Jock, Pete, uh, Ben's in there as well. The whole team at Kiwi Rider, they're really, really good. Check out their magazine. New uh, episode or new edition of the magazine out uh, last week. Uh, my full story from the Suzuki ride. We had a, a Suzuki DL 650 and a Suzuki DR 650. Which one was better? We put the two to the test on a midwinter adventure through Wilded Upper. Uh, in, included in that that was uh, motorways and um, you know windy tarmac and slippery tarmac and some gravel roads and some riverbeds and uh, well You'll have to read the story to find out which one came out uh, on top. Uh, But that's kiwirider.co.nz. There's also a a test on Suzuki's Katana in that magazine. We're heading to the launch of Beta Motorcycles in a week or two, so that story will be out soon. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're joining you, Matt, for the launch of the Tenere 700, so really can't wait to see the photos and read the story on that as well. Uh, kiwirider.co.nz. And finally, thank you very much to all our listeners, Matt. Uh, we've we've had uh, in the vicinity of a thousand people uh, join us for this ride. It's been a year long. A thousand people have
1: put up with us. That's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, <laughs> a thousand people have chosen to listen to us prattle on about motorcycles.
1: Oh, that's not bad. I'm actually impressed by that, actually. thats I think we've done all right there.
0: I think we've done pretty well. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, My wife hates the fact that I do this now because apparently all I talk about is cars and motorbikes. Oh... Yeah,
1: my my wife, she's understanding enough, but yeah, she'd rather I was uh, sitting on the couch with her watching Friends than sitting in the uh, rumpus room with a a motorbike and a laptop.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking about uh, watching Friends, uh, let's wrap up this uh, episode. Please do hit that subscribe button, hit that share button, and share this episode with a riding buddy of yours. We would absolutely love love you for it. If you've got any comments, uh, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, please do get in touch with us. Leave a comment on this episode and whatever player you're listening to it on now or you can get in touch with us powerbandpodcast at gmail.com is the email address facebook.com forward slash powerbandpodcast I've been Ray I've been Matt get the rubber side down throttle on and we will catch you possibly in 7 days time